Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 26th of January 2012. For newcomers, you must always make use of CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website. You'll find so many uh, in the archive, so many free audios to download. It'll take the rest of your life probably, but at least you'll know how this big system works and how it really works above all the media, above all the, the prattle of politics. And you'll find out that uh, you've been in a global governmental system for an awful long time. And it was done, again, covertly. It was planned over a 100 years ago. At least they started to implement it over a 100 years ago. And big foundations and organizations came together with big industry, too, which they also owned because the foundations are owned by the international bankers, basically. They own the whole lot, kit and caboodle. So they got together and decided to take the world over into a planned society. They, they already had f- figured out how much of a population they would need in a post-industrial society. They also knew they were going to open up new parts of the world and take over other nations like China. And uh, we've been living through it all uh, and, and, again, kept in the dark by our own politicians who signed all the treaties uh, that enabled all this to, t- to take place, like the World Trade Organization. They set up that and signed your sovereignty away to that as well. And uh, GATS, the General Agreement on Trade and Tariffs, things like that, free trade in other words, uh, which means that you have to bring in a value-added tax because your free trade uh, stops your import duty that used to keep governments going. So uh, it's all been planned a long time ago. You're living through it all. Uh, Rockefeller described it as making an omelette. He says you can't make it without breaking eggs. The unemployment and all, that, all the, the fallout from it is just, you know, you're the broken eggs basically left behind as they go forward into this big, wonderful utopia of theirs. And I really mean that because... Yeah, there's thousands of think tanks employed on every social area you can imagine to, to make sure that, that they, they, they give us, they train us from birth basically, generation by generation, to, to, to get ready for what we'll, like, we'll notice in our lifetimes as we go down the road. And uh, it seems all quite natural to us. And even if it doesn't seem natural, you're still confused. You still want to believe in the media, which tells you basically diddly squat. That's what the media is for. There's nothing out there that isn't part of the system of global governance by the few. There's nothing. I mean nothing out there. So help yourself to the free audios. And there's also transcripts you'll find, too, in all the sites listed at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And you can download them from PrintUp and go into alanwattsentinel.eu for transcripts in other languages. Remember, too, you help me keep going so you could buy the books and discs I've got at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. I don't have shares in any companies that sell you anything that promise to cure every ill under the sun, and I don't promote anything else. I just give you the facts as they are. Most folk can't handle the bare facts. They always look for the lone rider to come in and clean up town, like Clint Eastwood, and that doesn't happen except in fantasy. But uh, that's how people, by nature, really are, always understood. 
So from the U.S. to Canada, if you want to order the books, uh, you can go into uh, the website and, uh, and you'll see how to order it there. You can use a personal check to Canada. You can use an international postal money order from the post office. You can use PayPal or send cash. Across the world, Western Union MoneyGram, and once again, PayPal. And straight donations are awfully, wel- awfully welcome. Back after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix, talking about the big system uh, that uh, you've been given as reality and how really everything that occurs in your life on a major scale, even the wars that we go through, are planned before you're born. It's quite amazing that I can remember even reading one of Winston Churchill's books. Um, I think he wrote it in the 50s, and and he was talking about the, the wars that would have to happen in the Middle East, and especially in Iraq, he says. North of Iraq, there's an awful lot of oil, he says, and eventually they'll, they'll definitely have to have wars here to try and appropriate the oil. Uh, so there's nothing, there's literally nothing uh, that uh, happens in your life, uh, that in your lifetime that wasn't planned long, long ago. When when the big boys talk about something, especially from their global meetings, they don't make a wish list to Santa Claus and say, we wish the world was like this. They they, they get to work and, and uh, orders are issued and thousands of think tanks go into operation to prepare the public from, from the young age, all the different generations are catered for through all the different media. And, uh, and get them ready for, for what's to come up that was planned in the future for them. And, and that's how uh, society is truly run. Uh, we are programmed. We're programmed from birth, uh, generation by generation, and year by year, literally, every, every new bunch of, of kindergarten children going in are, get, are getting a little bit more indoctrination along the long path of life than the previous years. And that's how they do it. That was discussed in the 1930s by Beria, who was the head of the NKVD in the Soviet Union at the time. So it used to take 70 years to make a major change in society. Since now we can do it every five years, and it will speed up, which it has now. We're so easily programmed. Uh, and no wonder, too, we're taught to believe in everything. People really do believe in the media, especially television. Brzezinski talked about it, Kissinger talked about it, they've all talked about it. Brzezinski says shortly the public will be unable to think for themselves or reason for themselves. They'll expect the media to do it for them. And, And that's true. If the media doesn't tell you to be upset about something, we're not. But when they tell you to be upset about some tiddly little thing, you are. It's sad to figure out how, how simple it is to, to control the people, isn't it? It's, it is, it's a, it gives you a little bit of a shock when you really, really wake up and understand, oh my God, we're so easily programmed. And you'll hear all the little slogans and, and the, the new terminology, the new speak coming out of your, of your friends when they have conversations with you. They've picked it up off television and articles they're reading and so on. And even in cartoons for the youngsters. And start using it, they speak it into reality in a sense. But uh, that's a whole other area of of human psychology, of course. Uh, But most folk are trapped in it their whole lives long. Most folk who think they're waking up haven't woken up at all. They've woken up to the fact that, that something's causing their lifestyle to change. And they don't like it. And they're losing money. 
and they can't buy as much. That's not waking up, that's reacting to. You have to go into the whole realm of what it is to be human to understand what's happening. Because the guys at the top do, they understand what it is. They understand every part of you and how you tick. And they know how you tick at the age of 5, 10, 15, 20, and all the way down the road. And they cater for that too. Now, the other thing too is uh, all the big organizations out there, even the ones that you think are on what you think is your side, because everybody joins a side, you see. Again, you're a social creature and you're gregarious. You join uh, the group that suits you. Uh, but they're all catered for by the same boys at the top. They run all sides. All sides are run. You see, that's why nothing has ever slowed this, this bunch down at the top that decided to take the world over. Nothing has slowed them down. They're right on target with everything they planned a long, long time ago. And most of what's happening, been happening over the, since the 60s or even the 50s has been international treaties. Really going back to the 40s when they signed uh, the San Francisco Charter at the United Nations. Literally every present prime minister signed away their country to it. That was the start of it. That was the first treasonable offence. And then, of course, they elevate the United Nations into some wonderful organization that's out to help people. And that was all the propaganda for years. They were there to help people. They didn't tell you the United Nations has a, has a military wing, the NATO organization. But the, 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 the UN also controlled the Warsaw Pact countries for the Soviet Union. They were basically like a referee. They owned both sides. Nobody could make a move without the other agreeing. <laughs> it was a farce. A farce. Same with all the green campaigners too. And you see the biggest funders of the green campaigners are all at Davis right now. They're all international corporations, multi-billionaires and trillionaires. Yeah. You know, this article here is from the BBC. It says, Shale Revolution throws a spanner into the green campaign. And this is from the BBC's own green campaign website. And it says, until recently, fossil fuels have widely been seen among scientists and environmental campaigners as a diminishing resource. Science correspondent Tim Field reports on how the discovery of techniques to extract shale gas has rapidly changed the world of energy generation. And it's true enough, suddenly they flicked a switch and suddenly the greenies have backed off from it. They've been told to back off, that's why. So there's two... Um, I think it's radio shows you can, you can listen to uh, and hear them prattling on about that and what they're going to do about it, etc., etc., etc. And in, in the U.S. too, I, I'll have to laugh because people really get caught up in politics in the, in the U.S. They, they still think it's real. They haven't lived in, in countries like Europe and Scandinavia and elsewhere to see that uh, it really is a show. It's a show for the general public. The president and prime ministers are unimportant. Always have been unimportant. It's all the boys behind them that get in, behind the shield of the president and prime minister. It's awfully important. And you always come, keep them in for at least two terms, like the Fabian Society talked about a long time ago. But you see, when they're on, on a roll changing the world, and that's the whole idea of being international and global, is, is changing the whole world structure of, of politics and, and, and society. Uh, then it, it, you get a little hitch when they, they change houses of, of parliament or congress where the new bunch of advisors come in behind the president or prime minister and they have to be retaught everything. So they've got a, a kind of lagging space there. It's better to have them in for two or three terms now. So it's, it's pretty well uh, a, a done deal for Obama. You know, they're going to keep them in. That's how they do it elsewhere, you see. 
then they can keep the same bunch of real workers behind the scenes. Uh, we all know who they are. Um, and uh, the, the transition's gone smoothly into changing the world. But what's interesting too, it's so blatant now and how, how bribery, government bribery is working for the votes as well and stuff like that. I mentioned the re-election speech uh, uh, in the State of the Union address that Obama had. I'll put that tonight too from CBS. But it says, while well, built as a blueprint for an America built to last. America built to last. I wonder what he means by that. Uh, it, it says, um, President Obama's State of the Union address was also a game plan to help him win a second term. Do you understand how much money they've been throwing out there to the voters? Your tax money? Uh, in New York, if you get on welfare now, they give you free cable TV. They give you a cell phone, which they call an Obama phone. And they charge it. The state will pay to charge it every month. And all these other freebies that they get. It's just, it's incredible, you know. But, uh, that's the, what they're doing across the nation, very quietly. And, uh, and people just love Obama. You just give some, give some free presents and stuff and lots of television and entertainment. It says the speech was skillfully crafted to avoid any overt re-election rhetoric, but it gave the president the largest audience he will have to cast his record of the last three years in the most favorable light. He also acknowledged the nation remains in the grip of economic problems, but said it's better uh, than it was. I don't know where he gets that from. And he's got an extensive strategy for making it better still. <laughs> what a rubbish, eh? They talk to children. We're going to they kiss your knee when you skin your knee and say, I'm going to make it better for you. Uh, meanwhile, you can, the blood's flowing all over the place. Eh? The state of our union is getting stronger, declared Mr. Obama, and we've come too far to turn back now. Too far into what? Well, globalism, of course. The U.S., most of the money from the U.S. taxpayers is getting thrown across the world now. It's called the redistribution of wealth. And that was one of the big planks of the Communist Manifesto. And it's, it's all come true. And there's no going back uh, unless, you know, literally, you, you can't vote a person into change this. You understand that. Someone getting coming in and cutting all these treaties and tearing them up, uh, that would mean a declaration of war by the most powerful people on the planet. That's what, that's, that's what it means, a real declaration of war. You understand? And such a person wouldn't last very long. They wouldn't be around walking the planet for very long at all. I hope you really understand that. People don't work for well over a hundred years with big organizations making cabals uh, of international corporations that really are all owned by the same few at the top with controlling shares. They don't spend a hundred years to get knocked back by one, one guy coming into office. You understand. I hope you understand that. Now, you're going into austerity, as they call it. And we all, we all heard the term. We're post-democratic, according to the Club of Rome, the biggest think tank for the United Nations. Uh, we're also post-consumer. You're made to be a consumer by guys like Bernays. I've done talks on Bernays in the past. You'll find in the archive section at CuttingThroughMatrix.com. He gave you the consumer society as they built America up to be the big, the big massive war machine very quietly, you see. And now they're taking that away from you and you're going into austerity where all your spending money, they used to buy on nice, nice things you liked, uh, 
are going to across the world to help the poor folk, you know, the international corporations with their bases over there. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're back cutting through the Matrix. And after 9-11 happened, I think it was that night on the radio, I mentioned uh, that we'll see everything which you normally see in times of war coming down the pike. And sure enough, we have too. Uh, we've seen all the internal security, as they want to call it, uh, which really internal armies and uh, checkpoints, all these kind of things. And we've seen censorship come in uh, of various topics as well. And uh, they're really going after the general public, teaching them they're in a wartime economy. Uh, eventually, too, your rationing, I said, would come in, and um, uh, you'd be prohibited from, from even buying certain things eventually in a wartime economy. So austerity is, is a term we started to get here since the bank crashes. A really odd thing for the public to do, be told, actually. They didn't crash the banks. The banks crashed the banks on, on cue because of their uh, conniving and skullduggery. Uh, but I think it was all, it all came on cue because they'd always been creating bubbles. They could have kept bubbles going forever. They're always blowing bubbles, as the old song goes. And uh, it, was, it was crashed on cue to bring this stage of this so-called global New World Order in, and that is austerity, you see, for the general public. And partly they did it too by, uh, I mean, you're now up to, we're all up to, every country's up to their, their eyes in debt for generations to come. They'll never pay it off, actually, with compound interest, just bailing out the banks. But anyway, austerity, it said, what is austerity? It says, mid-14th century, sternness or harshness from old French, austerity, harshness and cruelty, and directly from the Latin austeritatum, and which comes from austeros, I guess that's austeros, eh? <laughs> we were the austere guys. Anyway, of severe self-discipline, it says, from the 1580s. Hence, severe simplicity. In 1875, applied during, from then on, uh, applied during World War, such as World War II, to national policies limiting non-essentials as a wartime economy. Right? Non-essentials as a wartime economy. You see, that's the things that you used to buy, a new car, whatever, or something for the house. Uh, these are classified now as non-essentials, you see in a wartime economy. But by the same token, you won't have all that extra money jangling in your pocket that you would spend on these things if you could get them. No, all that money is taking away in taxes, you see. Taxes to, to for be, we're still be on the banks out, by the way. There's another package due up shortly. And uh, uh, and also to spread across the world because your, your prime ministers and presidents have, have signed global treaties to redistribute the wealth across the world, to build hospitals across the world, to build schools across the world, and yada, yada, yada. In actual fact, it goes into the pockets of the international corporations that set up their factories where the cheap labor is. But that doesn't matter. The whole idea is to bring the first world countries right down on their faces. That's the plan, folks, and that's the purpose of it. So you don't have extra cash to spend. It's all taken away from you through fees and taxes, and a lot more to come. A wartime economy, it says, right? And what are they at? They're perpetual war. Perpetual war. 
Now, this article here, this next article, uh, is, is one of the many articles released, probably hundreds of them, different ones from different organizations, and, and put right into major media for you to read and not think too much about. But it's actually programming, you predictive programming, as I've said, for years uh, as, as a technique that's used to prepare you. And it's about the coming uh, Earth Summit Rio 2, you see, which is the, the big summit from a private organization. Rockefeller's at the, the top of it again, uh, using Maurice Strong, the globalist, uh, to, to chair it. And they'll bring in the next bunch of, of uh, things which will take your land away, take your housing away, uh, give you massive fines for polluting through septic tanks or water run off your roofs and all that stuff. But basically, these are the guys who came up with Agenda 21, the agenda for the 21st century to get you all off the land into these crowded slum cities, as you all die off, by the way, uh, which is, that is the plan. And also to um, give more authority to the big world organizations which they belong to, to bring you down with less rights than animals have or trees. That's Maurice Strong said that himself. And Maurice Strong actually said, he says, by the time we are finished, you'll wish you had the same rights as a tree. Did you vote Maurice Strong in? Did you vote for any Earth Summit, the Rio Summit? No. Private organizations run the world. And, and nothing will stop them because there's no opposition to them. You can't vote them out. You're not voted in. Your, your own politicians it, it, it sign all the deals that, that they're put on their desk from these organizations into law. So it tells you who they're, they're all working for the same boss. And it's not you. Anyway, so this is an article I'll put up tonight. So it's getting ready for the summit. There'll be hundreds of them building up to June when they have the summit. It says, can we put a price on nature? You see, press release. That's a press release from the main organization. At 25th of January, 2012. It says, launch of the Earth Debates, flagship event series in preparation of Rio Plus 20. That's what they call the next Earth Summit, Rio Summit. It says, a vital role for the environment within our economy has been hidden until recently, pollinating crops, balancing water distribution, and even providing genetic resources for our medicine are just a few examples of the life support that natural resources provide. Yet with no market value, they are consumed freely. They're always awfully worried about us consuming stuff, you know. It says, tools for calculating some of those natural services are now being developed in ecosystem economics. What it means, everything you consume, folks, from a chocolate bar to whoever, you'll pay extra fees for it, for, for the carbon content that it took to make it, the energy, technocracy it's called. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, cutting through the matrix, talking about the build-up to the, the Rio Summit, the Rio Plus 20, as they call it, which is going to affect all of your lives, big time. If you think we're redistributing your wealth across the world right now, which of these guys have finished? It's going to go way up, because all the big boys on the planet 
are, are, will be attending this meeting in June. But this is the build-up to it here. And they have thousands of handouts to every magazine, every newspaper. It goes straight into it. And you, you read this stuff, and, and it kind of prepares you mentally for it coming. Like it must be all quite natural. But it's not natural at all. In fact, when they go to the, the meeting in June, I guarantee you every treaty they, they'd come out with uh, will be well, been printed up maybe 50 years ago. They blow the dust off it and then give it to your presidents to sign into law. And it is signed into law just like that. And you don't vote any of these guys in. And this is what they call democracy. Eh? But it says here, remember, tools for calculating some of these natural services. Rain is, a, is now a service. You see, natural services. Food is a natural service. You know, even stuff you can pick yourself. Uh, they're now putting prices on everything. You see, and they're going to charge you for bees dying off, and, and they can't pollinate crops, etc. And that your cash will be given up to the big companies that kill off the bees, like Monsanto, as they give them put spray all their crops with that pesticide that kills everything off. But of course, it's what a great con. So oh, we can't pollinate anything. Uh, so you, you uh, bailouts from the government. But guess who pays for all? You do. This is right down to the cost of making that chocolate bar and the tinfoil and everything else. You're going to get charged for that as an energy tax and a pollution tax. And they go into all the, the different, some of the, the big boys that are, that are you know, put out there who are going to host this thing. Professor Sir Robert Watson, Chief Scientific Advisor to DEFRA. You've got to look into DEFRA. Those who have still got a mind and can keep track of thought for more than five seconds. Uh, look into DEFRA, it's amazing. Uh, Will Everson, environmental economist, Pricewater uh, Coopers, Ian Dickey, director, Aldersgate Group, and Claire Brown, senior program officer, ecosystem services and assessment, and UNEP, United Nations, the, this is the World Conservation Monitoring Center. The panelists provide a rich range of insights from the scientific policy, business, and civil society perspectives, but there's no ordinary, there's no you on the panel, folks. Held at the Natural History Museum and chaired by the Guardian, where who else? The Guardian, eh? Former science editor Tim Radford. The debate will be available via a live webcast at the Natural History Museum website. The children are all getting, what I'm talking about here, the children are all getting taught in school, getting ready for it. To be all green and everything else, you know. Yeah, taxes, taxes, tax daddy, tax mummy, you know. Uh, the Natural History Museum Stakeholder Forum and British Council launched the Earth Debate Series to drive momentum and contribute to discussions surrounding the United Nations Conference on Sustainable Development. That's like too many of you folks, you know. Also known as Rio Plus 20, happening in Brazil, 20 to 22nd of June 2012. The direct descendant of the 1992 Rio Air Summit, Rio Plus 20, is being held at the highest political level and will bring together heads of state and government decision makers to generate a new global vision, a new global vision for sustainable development. It sounds rather innocuous to a lot of people, uh, amorphous and but in actuality, it's an awfully serious thing because they know exactly what they're going to do and what laws across the world, uh, with all its penalties, fines, fees, and taxes, they're going to hit you with, uh, and what rights you have at all, if any, uh, according to the animal kingdom and, and your, your position on it, on the thing. So it says that the flag, this flagship series of debates will bring together the high reps from key sectors, including government, 
non-governments, that's the, all your non-governmental organizations, the armies of them that work for the, the tax-free foundations, which are owned by the international bankers, civil society and business, and tackle key issues at the heart of Rio Plus 20, the global... Now, here's the key. I've told you this word is awfully important. You're going to hear more and more of it. Transition to a fair, a fair and green economy agenda. That's a fair global one where you've got to give more and more money. All your, your disposable income will go to some other country in a green economy agenda. The great challenge in creating a sustainable future is understanding and living within the natural limits of our planet. Holding this debate in the heart of the Natural History Museum recognizes the crucial role for science evidence of global warming change in realizing the goals of Rio Plus 20, etc., etc., etc. So... Um, this is going to be a big one because you don't realize how much it's already affected. Uh, the, the first meeting they had, the, the first Rio conference they had, has affected you and the world because we're under the United Nations uh, on most things today because of it. And there's too many people, that's what they mean by sustainable development, culling, culling down the herd, uh, making you live in austerity, which is simplicity, harshness, a harsh way of living. And, and your disposable income is going to be taken off of you. So you won't have it to spend on anything anyway. It's going to be taken from you to pay for those poor folk across the world, supposedly. That's the con plan. In actuality, they really want to take down the populations of the third world countries big time, according to the old Kissinger bill. And it's an article here too. Uh, <laughs> to make money today, you've got to get it from the taxpayer. And because of all the greening cons that they have, and we've seen all the fake windmill things go up and, and then, then crash uh, and bankrupt, uh, and our government money just goes down the tubes, uh, which or our money which goes to government goes down the tubes. But uh, everybody gets in on the acts where the big money is. They, they, they throw it around like candy. This article here says, uh, Ceres Inc., Ceres after the old goddess of grain, you know, uh, it says, a U.S. seed maker plans to raise as much as $132 million in an initial public offering to expand output of genetically modified crops used in the production of biofuels. So any, anything that's alternate to, to, to gasoline and, and oil, which they have a glut off right now, they can't sell it, um, uh, it's got to get big bucks behind it to back it from your taxes. Series will sell 5 million shares at 21 to $23 each. Uh, the Thousand Oaks, California-based company said today in a filing with the Securities and Exchange Commission. So anyway, you scroll down and it says um, they've been operating since 1997. Well, they will use most of the proceeds from the IPO to develop and commercialize crop seeds, build new facilities and expand the workforce. They always say that because that's part of getting all these grants. Series is ramping up production to challenge Monsanto Company and DuPont Company, two of the largest makers of genetically modified crops. It's begun to sell sweet sorghum that serves as an alternate to uh, sugar cane in Brazilian ethanol industry, as well as switchgrass and high biomass sorghum. It's developing other so-called energy crops, as well as plants that tolerate drought and salt. They always have great claims in them. You, know. you ever looked into the real truth of uh, their claims as opposed to reality? And indeed, Monsanto's crops generally get about a third less than they promise, and uh, they cause a lot of problems now with um, with basically uh, herbicide-resistant weeds and all the rest of it. The company said its net loss widened in the year August 31 to $36.4 million. Uh, 
from 22.6 million, according to the filing. Series 6.6 million dollars of revenue last year, listen to this, was mostly from collaborative research and government grants. You understand, don't work hard these days, just go out and get a few guys dressed up in $10,000 suits and, you know, form a little company and then go out, hand out to the government, do all your Masonic signs and stuff and, and, uh, you'll get your big grants. Get awfully rich. So it says underwriting IPO or Goldman Sachs Group. Well, who else? Barclays, um, Piper, Jaffrey Co., uh, Raymond James Financial Inc., and Simmons and Co. International, according to the filing. Monsanto, which has been working with Sirius to develop improved corn and soybeans, has a license to some of its genetic traits. Uh, Monsanto, based in St. Louis, has a 6.2% stake in Sirius that will be diluted to about 4.8% after the offering, according to the filing. So all the big boys, they're all doing just one at the top, you understand. And the rest of them are the subsidiaries of the the one, as as far as I can see. Now, Gordon Brown, who eventually was uh, wheedled in as as Prime Minister of Britain uh, to help shatter and finish it off, according to the communist strategy, that was the whole idea, to completely finish off the culture of Britain, uh, and Tony Blair got into. But Gordon Brown, really, he, he was in charge of the, the Treasury before he was made Prime Minister, and he bankrupted Britain awfully well. So they, they made him ahead of the IMF uh, for the U.S. And, and flew him over there because we're global now. You see, there's no real countries. They can move him to, from region to region, as they call it. So he's making an impassioned call for the international community to make education a higher priority and to make a coordinated plan to achieve universal primary education by 2015. Uh, it's, it's for the people across the world, building schools for folk across the planet. Do you know how much it costs to get a university education in the U.S.? And here you are building schools across the planet. For governments that are utterly corrupt, who've been dominating their own people for thousands of years. It's all a con. Again, disposable income, you won't have it. It's going to be taxed off you. The former UK Prime Minister wants to create a global fund for education to raise the £13 billion per year needed to bring lessons to the poorest children. There are 68 million children in the world missing out on primary education. This is hidden and silent emergency in education, he says. The global target of providing access to a primary school education for all children by 2015 was one of the millennium, see the millennium came out of the last Rio meeting, folks, was one of the millennium development goals set out by the United Nations and world leaders at the beginning of the, the century, the 21st century. Most folk don't even know it happened, that you're putting billions and billions across all over the world every week. But as the date approaches, Mr. Brown says the target is set to be missed with progress slowing rather than accelerating. So anyway, they want more cash to, to indoctrinate children into the same dumbed-down society that we are today too. But most of it won't get to, the, to them anyway to teach them that goes into other things. Everything's a con from the top. Now, the, I mentioned this yesterday, that the, the Economic Union, the Parliament, this big Soviet system of the Parliament system for the whole of Europe, um, proposes the right to be forgotten by internet firms. It's an odd ruling. Uh, the government won't really throw their data away. They're going to keep it, of course. But it says that the servers um, uh, are supposed to 
take stuff down that you asked to be, have taken down. Because a lot of youngsters are making a lot of stupid mistakes over the years with Facebook that they wish they'd never put up there. A new law proposing Internet users the right to, to, to be forgotten will be proposed by the European Commission Wednesday. So people will be able to ask for data about them to be deleted and firms will have to comply unless there are legitimate grounds to retain it. The move is a part of a wide-ranging overhaul of the Commission's 1995 Data Protection Directive. Some tech firms have expressed concern about the reach of the new bill. So there's something else to obviously turning up, and we don't know what it is. But it goes on to say in this other article I put up too, that the firms face being fined up to 2% of the global annual turnover if they breach the proposed EU data laws. Uh, the Commission has put forward the suggestion as part of a new direction, directive and regulation. The new rules include users' rights to be forgotten and an obligation on organizations to report data breaches as soon as possible. The boss of one tech-focused organization described the proposals as a tax on firms holding customer data. The Justice Commissioner Vivian Redding said it was important for EU citizens, particularly teenagers, to be in control of their online identities. My proposal will help build a trust in online services because people will be better informed about their rights and more in control of their information, she said. So uh, there's something going on here, and it won't be in the public. I've never seen anything in my life being passed, any laws being passed that helped the public in any way. Always sounded great, but had an opposite effect in some way. There's, there's something else to this. And then, too, as we go around plundering the planet, we're not doing it, actually. We just send uh, our offsprings to go off and plunder uh, the planet for their masters. I mean, the guys who go off and fight the wars don't even care what to know what's going on or who's going to get the money or the oil. They don't really care at all. They're, they're straight out of video game land and they want to go and kill folk and they're given permission because boys are really immature. You don't mature as a man till much later, you know. Former British Petroleum boss earns 12 million pounds from the Iraqi oil venture. It says, uh, BP Chief Executive Tony Hayward from our BP chief, Tony Hayward, uh, says um, we'll pocket more than £12 million in the first tranche of payouts less than a year after he set up his own company and then bet on Kurdistan being the next big province for the oil industry. Hayward, who left his old employers with a £10 million pension pot, it's not bad for these guys, the old boys club, eh? After the Gulf of Mexico blowout, exercised his rights to a 6.67% stake in the general energy business, along with his partners, Nat Rothschild. Isn't that nice? You can't fail with being with Nat, you know, old Nat, yeah. And two other executives. The four general backers are entitled to a windfall nudging £160 million as they swap their founder shares in the Valeurs investment vehicle established in return for ordinary shares in Genal. Hayward and other founders of Valeurs will not be able to sell their shares until 21st November under lock-in arrangement. You understand, they, they plan the wars, uh, they get the companies made, to get, they're going to get the oil, they make sure that prime ministers and presidents are told with no, you know, there's no ambiguity there. They, they tell them, you know, we're going to get the contracts here, you know, when you dish out all these oil fields, uh, and then they just roll in the cash. That's how it works, really. It's just a big gang, you know. Though oil investors who had poured £100 million of their money into the business could win a further payout, they still control C-class shares and entitle them to 15% of any gain should general shares rise above a specified price. Not bad, eh? War business is pretty good. It's pretty good, you know. But you've got to have a big mafia before you can, you can 
get that kind of power, you understand. And they, they, they have it. They've had it since the 1700s. Now, probably everyone's seen uh, that <laughs> Julia Gillard from Australia, this, this uh, Fabian socialist communist prime minister, uh, uh, who's pushed through the carbon taxes on the poor Aussies there, uh, they've probably seen her dragged away today with her, by her bodyguards for, uh, from a demonstration that was being held outside a building where they were in sitting co- having their coffee and all that. And it's quite something to see. You see the terror on her face as, as the bodyguard lifts her off the ground pretty well and, uh, and drags her in the car. Uh, I didn't see anybody attacking them, mind you. But uh, they're, they're really paranoid now, the, these people. That's how they get. They get utterly paranoid from the peasantry because they know the peasantry is not too happy with what they're doing. And uh, if they have machine guns there, then in time will come. Maybe shortly, in fact, when the next time that happens, they'll just open fire. These guards will open fire on people who are just standing around yelling, you know. That's going to come. You will see that in your lifetime. Because all tyranny comes out, becomes this way. They know down well that the general public uh, begin to hate them, obviously, from, from being dragged into poverty. Because of all these communist uh, rules that they're putting through. I call them communists because, you see, communists are owned by the biggest capitalists on the planet. And they use people like Julia uh, Gillard, the Fabianist, to do their dirty work too. But it's quite something to see her terrified. And she lost her shoe, poor soul, poor Cinderella. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. This is Cutting Through the Matrix. And an article from The Guardian, is, people haven't heard that they're scrambling in Britain to get gasoline uh, because uh, a lot of the, 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 I don't know if the gasoline stations aren't buying the stuff in or what it is, but uh, of course they've shoved the prices so high in the middle of an oil glut that the prices are high because of government taxation on top of the, of the, the gasoline. So this article talks about that. It says Britain's petrol forecourts are entering a vicious cycle of falling demand. It's falling because the folk can't afford it. And higher prices that could prove disastrous from the, for the UK economy. Uh, so as, as government interference, remember the power of the purse, they can alter your behavior too, behavior modification. Uh, and of course you, you stop driving as much. But the, the ones who are driving can't get the gasoline because the big companies aren't buying it in. So something's going on there. Because the next article says Petropolis, Petro Plus, that's prepares to file for insolvency. That's a big gasoline organization. After talks fail. And it says uh, Petropolis said last week that it may sell refineries in France, Belgium and Switzerland while continuing to operate the plants in the UK and Germany. Petro Plus said last week it may sell, sell them off. Uh, uh, it says, but uh, they're filing for insolvency because you see it's a smaller company. Although it's big enough, but it's smaller. And, and, uh, and they, they simply can't compete in a slump. There's too much oil. Too much oil. Well, they're trying to get gasoline in Britain uh, at massive prices, and, and the gasoline stations are out. There's a big glut of oil across the world. It says, uh, it says Petropolis Holdings, AG, the largest independent European refiner, said it plans to file for insolvency. The stock plunged 84%. It says the Zug, Switzerland-based company, said in a statement today it will seek to ensure that operations are safely shut down and preserve value for all stakeholders. 
It says it marks a further decline in Europe's refining industry after BP, PLC and Royal Dutch Shell cut, cut capacity as margins thinned and fuel demand stopped growing. So they've got a glut there and they're not going to let it go. They're not going to sell it to the public because then it would be cheap, you see. PetroPlus had about $1 billion in credit lines frozen last month, preventing it from supplying plants with crude. It said last week it may sell three of its five European plants. So, once again, uh, that's what the big boys always do. They create scarcities uh, when uh, things are getting cheap. There's too much oil or gold or anything else for that matter. They, they just hold it all back, make it scarce, and, and then jack up the prices until the people start going for it again, and uh, away they go. So, uh, yeah, a glut of oil across the world, and there's, they can't get gasoline in parts of Britain. They just can't get gasoline. Not amazing, eh? And that's um, <laughs> you're going to see it here too. You're going to see it as well. And then again, like Obamacare, uh, the Rand Corporation did it for America, the whole study for Obama, and then coming to America's National Health Service. It says the National Health Services are salami sliced to hit savings target. Everything that gets cut when you're under the IMF, and by the way, we're all under the IMF now. If you don't know that, you are. First thing they do is cut health care. It says National Health Services are, are organizations are slamming slicing existing services and failing to re- redesign processes on the scale required to meet the £20 billion health service savings target members of parliaments have warned. Like they don't know it themselves. They've cut it so much it isn't even salami anymore. It's burger meat, you know, not much of that either. But then we're only peasants now. We're post-industrial, aren't we? You better start understanding what it's really all about, folks. You know, the shepherd kings need sheep. And uh, the function of the sheep is to supply the master with wool and mutton. But if there's just too many of you and you can't manage them, yeah, they'll just cull you off. From Hamish Masella from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your gods go with you. And all these links I'll put up tonight at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. <laughs>